Today on the Traveling in Ireland podcast, I welcome my most distinguished guest yet, and we're talking all about tourism in Ireland. But before I begin, I want to ask a big favor. If you've been listening to the Traveling in Ireland podcast for the last year and you like what you're hearing, I would be so grateful for a five-star review at iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for listening, and let's get to the interview. Today's Traveling in Ireland podcast is really kind of special. I have probably my most distinguished guest sitting with me, and it's kind of an odd thing because I don't normally do face-to-face podcast interviews. But I am joined by Mr. Niall Gibbons, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Tourism Ireland. Am I getting that right? You're getting that right, and you're very kind uh, to call me distinguished. I'm delighted (laughs) to be here. Lovely to be back in the United States. Nicer to be back in Chicago as well. And uh, we just had a very uh, successful event with our Prime Minister, our Taoiseach, uh, meeting many members of the travel industry. We're here to express our appreciation and thanks to everybody uh, in Chicago and the United States for all the great work they've done, uh, not just this year, but over many years, that have seen the rate of tourism success being really spectacular over the last number of years. So thank you for being here and thank you for talking to me. Gosh, it's it's my privilege, goodness. Um, but speaking of, you know, the increased numbers of tourism in Ireland, I was actually uh, looking at numbers and 2016 saw 10 and a half million visitors. And that's just, I mean, substantial growth. 2013 was 6.99 if I if I have my numbers right. And, you know, you saw like, you know, maybe a, an extra million, but then last year you had almost a two million visitor jump between 2015 and 2016, which is massive. Yeah, we've seen massive growth over the last number of years. Um, overall, business into Ireland uh, is up about 50% over five years. Uh, this market, the United States into Ireland, is up uh, about sort of 70 or 80 percent so it's been substantial growth um, but it's all part of the story of economic development I mean this is about you know jobs for people tourism travel is a great industry people get to meet I mean I think it breaks down barriers there's already a great connection anyway between you know Ireland and the United States but from other markets as well we've seen substantial growth um, and we're really pleased about that because I think when you put things in perspective there are six and a half million people living on the island of Ireland and to welcome almost ten and a half million visitors is a very substantial number um, but it's great to see people coming from all sorts of parts of the world, you know, from old and new and uh, in this market particularly, while there's a big um, connection with families and ancestry, we're really pleased that a lot of the growth that we're seeing is from people with no ancestral connection to Ireland, people coming from the southern states, from California, for example. So uh, it's terrific to see the variety and range of people that are coming to Ireland from this part of the world. And, you know, Ireland has had quite a few um, initiatives the past few years, uh, kind of kicked off with the Wild Atlantic Way in 2013, 2014. And 2015-2016 uh, saw Ireland's ancient east really, you know, ramp up and focus on those historic sites in the east that people were missing. But then you also had some really big budget screen time with, what, two Star Wars locations, north and south, as well as the Game of Thrones locations in Northern Ireland. And then flights coming into Cork now direct from the U.S. and places in Europe. I mean, Ireland has really seen a lot of initiative and and growth from those as well. Is that kind of what you would attribute the, the increased numbers to, or do you think it has uh, something else that, that might have kicked in a little punch there? 
It's certainly a big part of the story. I mean, when I think back to five years ago, uh, we started a project called The Gathering, which is about you know getting people in Ireland to try and invite people to come home. And uh, that was a hugely successful initiative. And I suppose, you know, it was people at home saying, you know, God, tourism actually really does matter and we should pay more attention to it. And in relation to the Wild Atlantic Way, which is you know, a 1500 mile journey along our west coast, I mean, that was a question of trying to bring together a lot of small and medium sized mom and pop type enterprises that work in the hospitality space to say, look, rather than going out to try and sell your own little piece of Ireland, why don't we join the bits together and do something much more impactful? And that's how the Wild Atlantic Way came about. And then Ireland's Ancient East was an attempt to do something on the East Coast. And then we've got oh, obviously Northern Ireland as well, which has seen a huge renaissance with the likes of Titanic, the G8 Summit held there. There's some very big projects that have been really successful. So, so that's in terms of the marketing and branding, there's some big ticket items uh, that give people reasons to come. In terms of getting there, because we're an island off the, the coast of Europe, I mean, the only way you really can get 85% uh, of people fly. But the connectivity has been a major part of the story from this part of the world. I mean, very close working relationships, as you can see today. We had Aer Lingus and United and American all in attendance. Um, but also, you know, you've got the likes of Norwegian starting now. They're going to be flying into four airlines, uh, four airports in Ireland, Belfast, Cork, Dublin and Shannon. Oh, it'll be um, nice to have the Belfast connection because that be, one has been really difficult. Yeah, United had been flying in there and we thought we'd be without a service. So it's terrific to see uh, Norwegian coming in with two airports going into Belfast this year, which is really good. So connectivity is great. To put it in perspective, you know, you've got over 50,000 seats every single week available from 15 gateways in the United States. So five years ago, we had nothing in California. Now you've got Los Angeles and San Francisco. You know, we've got double dailies heading out of Chicago every day. Um, so the 15 gateways are great. Our Lingus are opening Miami in September. So that's really good news too. And we'd like to see that expand even more in the coming years because we can see the demand is there and people prefer to fly direct. So that's a big part of the story too. Direct is, I mean, it's a great benefit. And I know that personally, because I work with family groups, um, direct is really a big benefit for families just because, you know, having those layovers plus the overnight flight um, can deter people sometimes. So that, you know, knowing that you just get onto one plane and, and you're going straight over is a huge boon. Absolutely, and we've seen you know such large growth. I mean, if I went back ten years ago, for example, there were about thirty thousand seats every single week in this market. We're now up over fifty thousand, so it's a big incentive, really. And actually, one of the things we're seeing from this particular market as well is you know the generations of families coming over. We're seeing three generations coming over to Ireland, which is nice to see. Actually, you know the grandparents, the parents, and kids coming too, which is really good. You know, it is, and Ireland has so much to offer. I know that for a long time it was kind of thought of as you know, that retirement trip, you know, a lot of very seasoned travelers on tour buses, or you obviously the honeymoon travel is a very romantic island. Um, but now you are seeing a lot more people who are traveling with their families for the experience and the adventure, as well as the history. And I think that, uh, you know, getting more involvement, I know that I've seen a lot of a lot more activities open up and a lot more hotels really taking notice of the family groups and adding family rooms. Um, are there any numbers to support kind of what I've seen? Well, certainly, you know, there's plenty of anecdotal evidence to, to suggest that that is happening and there certainly is a trend. I mean, as you say, you know, that there, there is a, a coach tour segment that will always be there yes. and that's a really important part of the, the, the Irish tourism proposition. But I think Ireland is much more now focusing on activity-based tourism. It's about things to see and do. It's about immersing yourself in the experiences, being able to get under the skin of what it means to take a holiday in Ireland. It's not about the hotel room that you're staying in. I mean, that's an important part of the, the overall trip, maybe, but it really is about, you know, what there's to see and do. So you take 
for example, down on the west coast of Ireland, I mean, if you were bringing your family over, you know, what would you do for a couple of days? Well, it doesn't really matter about the weather. If you want to go on the, uh, the Newport Greenway, for example, that's you know, 45 kilometres. That would absolutely be a spectacular, stunning cycle across the west coast of Ireland. No cars on the road. It's a uh, beautiful ride. Own, and it's a lovely ride, yeah, exactly. And there's one, the new one down in Waterford now on the southeast coast. And these are bigger features that are coming into play uh, to be able to get out with the family, hire a bike. You know, if you want to do some water-based activities, an awful lot more of that than there would have been when I was growing up in Ireland, for example. So I think the whole idea of adventure, the idea of you know, outdoor, being active, is something that's very much more. And we're seeing people now that are looking in Ireland, not as, as you say, the big holiday once-in-a-lifetime thing. It's actually sometimes a short break almost as well, because flying over now is sometimes only five hours. It is, it is, and that's very true. And the, the activities that are offered are things that people don't probably think about. Um, surfing is huge. You know, from Cork along the West Coast, a lot of kayaking. We did stand-up paddleboarding. We rode, rode the Westport Greenway or the yeah the, the Greenway, Greenway yeah. last year. So, um, so many really great options for people to get out and really get involved in Ireland and not just make the stop, take the picture, and move on. So, obviously, that's bringing a lot of different thoughts to tourism as well for Ireland. Yeah, I, I think I think you know by getting involved in those activities, you get to interact with the local community. You know, the, the bottom line is that when it comes to what is it that separates Ireland apart from other destinations, there are three distinct factors. The friendliness and warmth of the people is a thing that people tell us all the time that really made the experience stand out for them. There's a stunning and dramatic scenery. Uh, and then you've got Irish culture, you know, which could be expressed through as you know, music, dance, or it could be a pint in a pub, or reading a poem, or, or whatever. But but I think when you put all those things together, and when people walk away from Ireland after their trip, when we ask them all the time, you know, what did you like about Ireland? It was the people. So by getting out and engaging in these activities, you're engaging with the local people. These are the people that know and live and breathe the experience. And our colleagues in Fulch Ireland, who are the National Tourism Development Authority at home, are training the industry up, you know, along the wide Atlantic way to know your stories, you know, to be able to articulate them. Uh, you know, what is it about this place, so to speak, you know, that makes it so special? Uh, and that's what really makes the impact on people when they come to Ireland. What was it that touched them, you know, before they left? It wasn't the hotel room that they stayed in, you know, it wasn't just the pint of Guinness. It was about the story that someone told them about the place that they were in or made the connection in relation to their family or, or that type of thing, you know. And I think that, uh, especially with the Wild Atlantic Way and the Ancient East, bringing those small mom and pop businesses together that, that really did probably have that struggle with tourism, um, you, you brought them together in a way that you know, they're, they're all in there together, they're not competing. I think that's one thing that I've really noticed, um, I noticed it very greatly in the Burren, where they have their food trail and they've really built a, a community around their area and it's just strengthened everyone and I think that that comes out so much when you meet the people that have the businesses. I think you're dead right, and I think this is where Ireland plays to its strength, you know? And places like the Burren, there's, there's a few other places like that too, that really are in touch with the natural environment. Um, food, I'm glad you mentioned, because I mean, that is something that, you know, people go into Ireland with an expectation that, you know, maybe the food might be okay, but they come away with their expectations, you know, surpassed all the time. Places like the Burren, where you've got, you know, things like the smokehouse, the salmon, um, really organic, really natural, uh, make a huge impact, you know? And these are all, you know, ingredients, uh, things that come from the natural area. There's a story to tell about them, the artisan food producers. It's an area, I mean, I was involved in, in an organisation there a couple of years ago called the Taste Council, which is some of the top artisan food producers in Ireland, you know. And we got some research recently from Condé Nast, and there's a great expression there saying that food is the new currency of tourism, you know. That's something that's changing the tourism game. 
and people are, you know, only about 9% of international travellers at the high end want to eat in gourmet restaurants, you know, that's a nice, you know, once in a trip experience maybe, but they want to be able to do what the locals do, where do the locals eat, they want to be able to go to the farmer's market, so, so these are the things that people like to engage in, because the food tells a story of the place, so to speak, and I think Ireland has something exceptional actually to, to tell in that space. The food is great, and it's, it's always kind of funny to tell people, you know, the food is not what you think. It's, you know, granted, you're going to have some great fish and chips, but, you know, that terrific little pub that's down the road is going to serve you the fresh, freshest breast of chicken, you know, garnished with garden herbs that you've ever tasted in your life. So it is a huge story. You're completely right. Now, we, we kind of discussed the Wild Atlantic Way and the Ireland's Ancient East as initiatives. Now... Ireland's Ancient East is still kind of in its growth stage, really um, being noticed. I know that uh, you had over 6.6 .6 million visitors to the ancient heritage sites last year, which is quite an increase um, and, and has, I would assume, a lot to do with that. Are you bringing, how are you promoting that and getting more people there? I know that there's a free Wednesday, you know, first Wednesday every month is free, but but beyond that, um, what you, what's going on to really promote these ancient sites in a, in a different way? Well, Ireland's ancient east in general, first of all, is an area in the southeast of Ireland. It takes in approximately 12 counties, and it's really about telling you know, thousands of years of history in a journey of only 500 miles. So if you were to go to, for example, Brunabonia, which is one of the most ancient sites in Ireland in Newgrange, um, it's essentially a passage chamber that was built 5,000 years ago before the pyramids of Egypt. On the winter solstice, the sun actually will penetrate the chamber right down into the, the, the ancient burial ground. So again, it's a very, very important site. It's got limited accessibility because these are things that we have to manage very carefully. It's that's UNESCO World Heritage Site, for example, and it only allows maybe a couple of hundred thousand people every year. So um, there are another range of sites like that within Ireland's ancient east. Uh, but it's actually also about the stories of that area. And there, there are stories that range also through the Anglo-Norman period, when Ireland was invaded by the Vikings, uh, you have the Anglo-Irish period, of British history of 800 years of rule, and all the stately homes that are there. So there's whole chapters of history that you can learn about Ireland uh, in, in a whole set of experiences that are really well preserved. The Office of Public Works is the government agency that tends to look after the historical sites, and they, they really do get the balance well between you know allowing too many visitors perhaps you know and being able to sort of authentically I suppose interpret you know what our history is all about so uh, the six and a half million people you mentioned uh, yeah that number was up but it'll be up again probably this year and what our colleagues back at home are doing is to look at perhaps some of the what they call second tier sites that wouldn't be as visited how they can become part of the bigger story but Ireland's Ancient East as a whole, I think, is, is wonderful, very accessible, very close to Dublin, uh, really good road network, rail network, uh, and it's something you will find uh, really inspiring and invigorating. Well, and the OPW has probably the best value in their heritage card of anything you're going to get in Ireland. One single, you know, single fee, I think it's, is it 90 euro, I think, for a family? this year and you can get into any and all heritage sites yeah. across the country it's just it's a phenomenal value for anybody who is, is I think that's yeah, for, again if you're bringing your family and you are looking for value that's, that's something that's important to mention about Ireland in general our museums are free okay that's one thing that's really important so free free entry and then for the OPW I mean these are historical sites but you can get a value an annual pass so to speak and uh, you can enter as many as you like as often as you like so that's really terrific news as well for people who may be bringing an extended family looking for a more budget type experience, you know, it's great. Oh, it is, it is. It's probably, like I said, one of the best values in Ireland. 
Now, are there any initiatives on the horizon that you might be able to share? Anything that people who maybe aren't going this year or next year, but are planning that vacation in, you know, two or three years that they might be able to say, oh, there's something coming that... Well, certainly if you're interested in sport, there's a couple of big ticket items that may be coming down the line. One, definitely, um, golf is something that Ireland is renowned for. We have over 400 golf courses, some of them the best in the world. I know that the likes of Golf Digest and Golf Monthly would rank Royal County Down and um, Royal Port Rush in the top 10 golf courses in the world. And uh, we have 10 in the top 100 in the world. So really good world-class golf, both at the high level and also if you just want to play parkland as well. A lot of options open for the golfers. But the Open, one of the majors, is coming to Northern Ireland uh, to Royal Port Rush in 2019. So that's something that's really special. Uh, 100,000 people every day. Um, a big ticket item for anyone interested in sport. And we've got Rory McIlroy and we've got Darren Clark and you know, we've got uh, you know all the great golfers that are out there as well, great personalities. and. So if you are interested in sport, that's certainly one that would be marking down for 2019. We also have another big ticket item that is not in the bag just yet, but we are uh, north and south. The Irish Government and the Northern Ireland Executive are working together to put the bid in for the Rugby World Cup in 2023. That's a growing and emerging sport here in the United States. The Irish team came over and played the Old Blacks in Chicago here uh, last, last year. Last November. A very big game. <laughs> Um, in New York uh, this weekend so that's very positive too so that's going to be a big tournament it's the biggest tournament uh, international tournament that Ireland could possibly host uh, you'll see over 400,000 rugby fans from all over the world coming and you will be guaranteed it'll be a great time to be in Ireland would that be in that's Dublin? in 2023 so happens. don't hold on you got to come over and do the recce <laughs> you got to come over and do the recce for 2023 before that we won't know that till mid-November but we feel that we're in with a very strong chance and fingers crossed oh wonderful well I this has been so great I've really enjoyed talking to you but before I let you go, I am going to ask you the question that I ask everyone who comes on to my podcast, and it's a tough one, um, and it's going to put you on the spot a bit, but for people who are visiting Ireland, what would you say are three spots that they should not miss, or maybe some spots that they might overlook if they don't know about them? What? And I know it's like picking your favorite child, and I apologize, but three places. Okay, now you've really got me on the spot. This is going to be a really hard interview. Um, I suppose, number one, I would definitely get people to check out the North Coast. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's undiscovered, uh, unspoiled, and some of the most stunning scenery. So if you're interested in trying something out that's quite Irish in Northern Ireland, uh, I'd go and try a pint in the Harbour Bar in Port Rush. Um, and uh, tour along, you know, these are the Giants Causeway, Carrigarees Rope Bridge, some really stunning scenery. Um, Number two, uh, city experience. I think you, you got to try Dublin if you come into Ireland. I mean, that's you know where where it all happens. And again, you know, there's plenty of places to eat, drink, stay. I mean, it's all in Ireland.com if you want to find out more information. But it's a very compact city. It's it's very easy to walk around. When you look at other mainland cities around Europe, where you you do need public transport, I mean, within Dublin you can actually walk it all very easily. So if you just even take a few days, um, you know, that's going to be no problem. And then I'll get myself into trouble for the last one because I'll have left more places out than I did. <laughs> uh, but you've got to try somewhere along the wild Atlantic Way. And uh, you know, where, well, anywhere is really good. So I'll mention where my family originally come from in County Mayo. And there's some stunning scenery along the wild Atlantic Way. You get to the Newport Greenway, you can climb Crow Patrick. Uh, so if you come just on your own or as a couple or with your family, there's plenty of things to see and do. And don't let the weather put you off. Well, I, I will admit, I have people ask me my favorite place in Ireland. And, and I tell them it's like picking my favorite child, too. But... I usually say Mayo, because oh. Westport caught my heart our first trip, and uh, and it's just some place. There's you can find everything in Mayo, so but the crowds. 
And my family are just as outside Westport, uh, that's where they came from. And it's a beautiful town, and that's an example of a community that came together in the 1980s. It was already a nice town, but they said, how do we make this really special for the tourists? So everything from the shop fronts to the, you know, that the locals getting involved in tourism, and it's spread out to all the hinterlands beyond as well. So um, yeah, really, really good, uh, great experience. So there's my three, and next time when I come back and you interview me, I'm going to pick a different three. Excellent. I look forward to it. Thank you, Mal, so much for taking the time. I know you're on a busy schedule, so I really, really appreciate Thank it. Thank you for having me. Lovely to be back, back in Chicago again. I look forward to it the next time.